0: Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: There is a judgment greater than... Anything you've ever known It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. We are on a countdown. To the final judgment of this earth. The evidence is all about us. The wickedness of the human heart. We have become in America worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. The Western world is utterly given to corruption to the killing of babies to cheating and lying fornicating sexual sin is rampant on every side china thousands of people every every year are murdered by the chinese government in order to send their organs for sale to the Western world, yea, even to America. The babies are murdered. We live in a world that is rushing toward the final judgment. It is at the door. Our God is at the door. What I'm going to share with you is the way in which you must prepare for this final judgment. No one wants to go to judgment without an attorney, without being prepared. Are you prepared for the final judgment? Because for those who are guilty... The sentence is death. I don't want to die. I don't want my brothers and sisters to die. I count you as a brother or a sister. I want you to be prepared. We have been taught things that are simply not true about Jesus. I'm going to go through several passages of scripture and I'm going to ask you some questions. The first one I'd like to read for you is found in Romans, the seventh chapter. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I'll begin reading in verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, It is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Now, I have a question. Is this your spiritual condition today? Does this accurately describe your life as a Christian? Does sin live in you? Is Paul saying that he is a sinning Christian? Does Paul believe, and do you believe, that it's impossible to leave your sin and to have the victory, and so you must simply live with who you are and what you are? Do you know that nothing good lives in you? Do you have the desire to do what is good, but you can't carry it out? Is this your experience? Well, we combined with this scripture, another passage of scripture, found over here in the book of 1 Corinthians, i'll begin reading with verse 50 i declare to you brothers that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable listen i tell you a mystery we will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality when the perishable has put has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what is he saying? Is Paul saying in Romans, the seventh chapter, that he is still walking as a sinner before Almighty God, sold as a slave to sin? Is this the condition of God's people? Is this your experience? Do you desire to walk clean, but you're unable to walk clean? And have you finally concluded? that you're always going to be a sinner, that you can never be washed and made clean. Have you decided that? And have you finally settled into that position which says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I'll be changed. Is Jesus your Savior or is death your Savior? Are you not changed into a perfect and righteous man until you die? What is the truth? Are you under the curse of sin? Now, John G. Lake, the healing apostle back in the late 1800s, He said, if any unholiness exists in you, it is not there by the consent of the Holy Spirit. If ungodliness is in your life, it is because your soul is giving consent to it and you are loving it. Let it go. Cast it out and let God have his way in your life. So my question, is John G. Lake right? Or are you a hopeless sinner caught in wickedness? And now you have to just cast yourself on the mercy of God and know that you're going to be a sinner and that it's impossible for you to stop sinning until you die. And then in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, You'll be changed, and you'll be like Jesus. Is this this what you think? Many people that I speak with believe that Romans 7, even godly preachers that I've spoken with, believe that Romans 7 is speaking about the current condition of the apostle Paul as he wrote this material in Romans seven. See, we've we've come up with a way to heaven. And that way to heaven that we've come up with through good men who who meant who meant to be honest, like Martin Luther. Martin Luther did a great service for Christian people when he separated from the legalism of Rome. Other reformers also broke with Rome. And they said, we're saved by faith and by faith alone. And just so we're clear, I believe we are saved by faith. And I believe we are saved by faith alone. But there's a problem with that. If your faith causes you to continue to walk in sin and you adhere to the men and women who teach that you can never leave your sin then your faith is not very effective. And I want to say, if I am saved by faith and by faith alone, I am being saved by God's faith. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. It's not my faith, it's God's faith. And he gives it to me. Now, let me ask you another question. Does this faith alone leave me as a sinner man before Almighty God under the curse of the law. Oh no, they say, you're not under the curse of the law because Jesus' righteousness covers you like a blanket. It's called grace. It's a very clever way of of telling a man that the blood of Jesus is not adequate to remove your sin and to heal you and to restore you. It's a very clever way the devil has found in the Christian church to claim that all of us are utterly sinners and will be sinners until the day we die. And then we will be made righteous because, you know, a sinner cannot enter heaven because then heaven would be hell. Heaven would become just like the world is today. No sinner will be allowed to enter heaven. You'll all agree to that. So when are you changed? The modern apostate Christian church teaches that you're not changed until you die. And so Paul, they say, is living in this desperate situation where he constantly is struggling with sin in fact he's a slave to sin but he's doing the best he can do he cannot be perfect he cannot live clean before god in every respect because he said for i have the desire to do what is good but i cannot carry it out for what i do for what i do is not the good i want to do no The evil, I do not want to do this, I keep on doing. Is that your current experience? And do you believe that that was Paul's experience? Well, pastor, the scripture says it. Well, wait a minute. The judgment of God is rushing upon us. And very soon, we are going to stand before the judgment bar of God. Are you going to stand before the judgment bar of God, still a slave to sin? Or, are you going to believe that somehow, miraculously, when I accepted Jesus and I said my little sinner's prayer, I was cleared to go to heaven, and when I stand before the judgment bar of God, God's going to look at me and see Jesus, not me. That's called a shell game. It's called a lie. And besides, the scriptures say that it's not God who will judge us. It is Jesus who will be our judge. So are you telling me that when he looks at me, he's going to see himself? And he's going to bring me into heaven as a sinner? Well, no, pastor, because we're going to all die before we go to the judgment. Well, no, not everyone. Is there any redemption in death? No, Paul does not say that. He says... What a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from the body of death? Well, is it death that rescues me from the body of death? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. Am I still under the law? That's why I'm sinning? Are you under the power of the law? Is that why you're sinning? It says, Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When does he give us that victory? Does he give us that victory when we're dead? That's not what the scriptures teach. It's what the modern church teaches. Now you know and and I know that many times we tried to do our very best We even white-knuckled it, trying to correct the wickedness in our hearts. And we weren't able to do it. Oh, we can force outward compliance most of the time. But we cannot force compliance in our inner spirit. And so that man is still going to look with lust on that beautiful woman. And that beautiful woman is still going to look with lust on that handsome man. When no one knows, you'll still be telling lies. You'll be exaggerating. When you're faced with that challenge, you'll be a coward. You're not fit for heaven. You're fit for hell. And you believe that somehow Jesus is going to cover you over with his righteousness. And then he's going to look at you and he's only going to see himself. That says the blood of Jesus has no power. And that says we're trampling on the blood of Jesus and we're making it of non effect You know, I've learned something through the years that has become very vital to me. And that is that I cannot take a passage out of context and try to prove something with it. We can take this Romans 7 passage, verses 14 through 25, we can take that out of context. And we can say, yes, that justifies my current experience. I'm doing the best I can do, Pastor. I can't do any more. But when I die, then I'm going to be changed. In an instant, in a twinkling, I'm going to be changed, and I'm going to be like Jesus. Well, you know what? That's not what Corinthians says. That passage in Corinthians Let me read it for you again. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, that is, the great judgment of God. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality then the saying that is written will come true death has been swallowed up in victory well death here is referring to the physical body dying not to the moral soul This is talking about, in context, the flesh body being transitioned into a spirit body, like the one Jesus had when he was raised from the dead. Still, every bit a human being, but in a spirit body. For flesh, it says, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You can't go to heaven and have this flesh body that we walk in now. No, we must receive a new body. I'm looking forward to receiving that new body, one that's not afflicted with any sickness, one that is not weak. The whole context of this 1 Corinthians 15 passage is at the end of time. It's not speaking about transitioning from being a sinner to being a righteous person. There's nothing in this entire chapter 15 that would even begin to justify that. Let me read some of the passages just very briefly. Let me read in in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 34, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning for there are some who are ignorant of God. Stop sinning. Why would he say stop sinning if it doesn't matter if we continue sinning because We accepted Jesus and now we're covered by that grace blanket so he can't see us in our sin. He just sees Jesus in his righteousness. If that's true, why would he say, stop sinning? doesn't make sense, does it? Verse 50, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the perishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. And now this mystery is the transition from the physical body of flesh and blood into a powerful spirit body. Yes, we'll recognize each other. Yes, they knew Jesus. Now, if it's clear that at the end of time, at the Great Judgment Day, or when a man or woman dies, it's clear that they are not made holy by death. So death cannot be our Savior. So when must we be made holy? Nowhere in the New Testament or the Old Testament is holiness ever spoken of In the future tense. Hebrews. The fourth chapter says. Today. Is your day. Of salvation. Enter now. The rest. Of Jesus. It is never spoken of in the future tense. Now. Let me try to talk about. The issue that I'm really trying to get at today. This is not just a theological challenge to what you perhaps have thought or believed. This today is a the beginning that I'm going to study through this week of an invitation, of a heartfelt invitation by Jesus to step into the victory of Jesus to no longer think of yourself as some poor sinner. I am not some poor sinner. I've been changed. I've been transformed. I've been made into the image of Jesus. Do you understand? In your mind, there has to be a change where you begin to step into what Jesus has delivered you into. And he's delivered you into victory. Not into sin. Not into death. Now let me show you. If we look at the sixth chapter. In verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you used to. Past tense, to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness, to innocence. You used to offer parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. Verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin, have you, my brother, my sister, have you been set free from all sin? is there any sin in your life? If there's any sin in your life, it is not because God has given consent to you to live in that sin. Any sin in your life is still there because you love it. And I'm calling you today to let go of all sin and to step into victory in Jesus Christ as you prepare to face the final judgment of God yes the beast power is rising i see it rising even in america especially in america and in europe the beast power is rising in china and russia the beast power And the harlot that sits on the beast, America. It's ugly. But you must prepare for that final judgment, for surely the judgment of God will come upon America, and America will burn. Europe will burn. Russia will burn. China will burn. The whole earth is going to burn. It's going to be consumed in fire. You must be prepared to face that final judgment. And if you have sin in your heart and in your life, hidden or out in the open, you cannot be saved. You will be condemned at the judgment of God. And we are rushing toward that judgment. Now, yes, we need to prepare physically for that day of judgment. As the beast power is going to rise and demand that we worship it, it's going to create a a currency that is digital. And if you don't take the mark, you will not be able to buy or sell. And... If Christians are still here, we will probably get very hungry. We might even starve. The sun may beat on us. We may be thirsty. But at the day of the judgment, we will be brought forward as heroes of the faith. And we will be free of sin. Verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I have that gift of eternal life right now. It is my present condition before God. Is it your present condition before God? Do you walk in victory in your life? Now we come to chapter 7. Remember, I said context, context, context. Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives? For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he's alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. So, my brothers you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law. So that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Well, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Now he begins to speak. In what in the what is in the Greek? Is a historic present. What is a historic present? It's what we do often. We speak about the past as though it were going on right now. We speak about the past as the present. Listen to what Paul says. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Wait a minute. In context, he says, we used to be in the past slaves to sin. Verse 18, verse 18 of chapter 6, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So Paul's current condition is not this historic present. He's speaking of the past when he was a Jewish man under the law. But now, he's been set free from sin, he's become a slave to God, and the benefit he reaps is holiness. He's not under the condemnation of death. But but let me show you. He comes down to verse 24. What a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body of death. Is he a wretched man following Jesus Christ? Is that the description of a Christian? And do we escape this wretchedness by claiming that that Jesus' blood covered us, and we're still wretched men, but we're covered by the blood of Jesus? What an abomination, what blasphemy against the blood of Jesus this is. Listen to what he says. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He escaped that wretched, sinful condition through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Then he says, So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. But read chapter 8. There's no chapter separation here they were added much later read the context therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus because through christ jesus the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death paul is saying i have been set free from the law of sin and death chapter 7 is a historic present where he describes his condition before receiving Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior. Now, that makes me come back and say, if you said this is your spiritual condition, that you are still a slave to sin, that you still do not have the victory in Jesus Christ. All I can say to you is you've been taught a lie and it's time for you to step out of that lie and claim what Jesus actually has done in you or what he is prepared to do in you. He is prepared to set you free and he is prepared to make you righteous in reality. Now, in the present no more sin, perfect in Jesus. He is prepared to make you prepared for the day of judgment when Jesus is not going to look at himself. He is going to look at you and the work he has done in you and for you and with you. To me, this is a glorious, glorious truth that the Holy Spirit has been sent by the Father to break every bondage, to heal every wound, to equip us to do the work of the gospel, filling our hearts with joy and freedom and release from all wickedness and all sin. If you tell me, Pastor, come on, You're always going to walk in sin and you just have to trust that Jesus on that day is going to not look at you but look at himself. I say to you, you don't understand the gospel of Jesus. You have denied the blood of Jesus. You've denied its power. And you are siding with the devil against Jesus. I refuse to side with the devil against my lord remember what i shared with you from john g lake if any unholiness exists in you it is not there by consent of the spirit of god the lord will never agree with any sin in your heart he will never be content to allow that sin to continue remaining in your heart If unholiness is in your life, it is because your soul is giving consent to it and you are loving it. And some of you today, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. You've been pushing him away and you've been saying, I can't, I can't leave that. I love it. And Jesus understands. He looks at me and he doesn't see me. He sees himself. So I'm under the covering grace of Jesus Christ. And I, I can't give this sin up. One man was living with a woman he was not married to. He, he said to me, I can't marry her, Pastor. I said, why can't you marry her? Because if I marry her, she will lose her husband, her late husband's pension fund. And we can't live without that money every month, some $1,200 at the time. We need that money to survive. And besides, Jesus understands. Jesus knows that we need that money. And so I can't marry the woman I love because of this financial loss. I said, you're lying. The truth is you love the money more than you love Jesus. The truth is you don't trust Jesus for your provision. Some of you today listening to this broadcast are right in this position. You say, "How can I dare lose this this money from my late husband or my late wife? How could I possibly give that up?" Jesus, Jesus, did Jesus call you together? Yes, we love each other. We know it was the will of God that we be that we be together. Okay, His will is that you be married. And if you're not being married because you're letting money stand in the way, you are worshiping money, not Jesus. And he is very, very displeased with you. And you will go to the judgment and you will be condemned and you will be shut out of heaven because you did not trust Jesus enough to obey him. Well, Some of you say, Pastor, I have to do this. But the Holy Spirit's been saying to you, no, you don't. No, you don't. I'll cover it. See, we, we blame sin, but it's not sin that holds us. It's we who hold ourselves separate from Jesus it's the lust of our own heart. It's the desire to be successful and be popular. It's our desire to have the money we desire. It's the desire to have the person we say we love. It's self. And that self, Paul said, has to go to the cross. Romans, the sixth chapter. You have to be crucified. You have to leave behind this wickedness that holds you fast in its clutch do you understand i'm i'm trying to say to you today you can be free listen chapter 8 romans chapter 8 verse 3 for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful men in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit Again, let's read verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. I have been set free, my brother, from the law of sin and death. I no longer walk in it. Pastor, are you saying you don't walk in sin? That's right. That's exactly what I'm saying. Let's be very clear. There is no reason for any Child of God to walk in sin. There is no reason. The blood of Jesus has the power to set you free. Then we have to face the fact we don't really want to be free, do we? We want Jesus and we want the world too. We want Jesus, but we want to call ourselves a Christian. We want Jesus, but we love the things of the flesh and the world and the devil. You love those Harry Potter movies? You love those werewolf and vampire movies? You love those science fiction novels? You love that sport that draws you away from Jesus You love those gaming situations on the internet that you love so deeply? You love the things of the world? Be honest with me. Do you have the victory? Then claim the victory and give praise and honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Now I know some people will get very, very angry because I'm teaching this I've been banned from the Anglican Church because I teach this, and others have cast me off utterly. I'm not willing to live in bondage except the bondage of my lord jesus i'm not I'm not willing to live in the bondage of sin. I hate it. I hate the shame. I hate the condemnation. I'm not willing to walk in it. Well, we're going to go much deeper tomorrow. We're going to talk about how to get ready for this great judgment day. I hope this has been helpful to you today. Try saying it. I am victorious. I have the victory over sin in Jesus Christ. And if that's not true, go to Jesus and get the victory. The victory is there for you right now. Let's pray. Lord, I lift up my brothers and sisters. I'm asking, Lord, that you would bring each one of us totally and completely into yourself. Lord, bring us into yourself. Let us abide in you, Jesus. Every dark, every sinful, every prideful thing, break it now in the name of Jesus and bring us into the victory. Lord, I claim it in your name. Lord, I claim it by your name. Well, please write to me. I'd love to hear from you. I go every day to the post office looking for your letters. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. I thank those of you who have just done that. Last month is covered, but this month we're already at the 15th and we're a long way from being ready to pay this month's radio bill. I know the Lord will move in your hearts. He does every month. And I thank you for your faithfulness to Jesus. I am astonished as I go through the givers, the list, the amount you give, and I pray for you. I'm astonished that God moves so powerfully in your heart that you would give with such generosity thank you walk in freedom brother walk in freedom sister don't claim the devil's lies God bless you I love you I'll talk to you soon